Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often, they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. This is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael. And today we're going to talk about all things readings, all things related to readings with me and Michael, who is my husband, in case you don't know. Some of you may not know that. But before we get started, Michael has some announcements. Hi, everybody. And um, her apologizing for not being on last week. We had some major technical issues with our computer and... Uh, had to put in a new hard drive and reinstall some windows and stuff to get it up and running. So we um, had to find out the hard way. So I apologize for that. Um, Krista and I are going to do the show this week just by ourselves, just to make sure everything is working fine. So if our stream stops in 10 minutes, you'll know what happened. <laughs> but it should hopefully work great. Uh, just to kind of go over the guests that we have coming up, um, we have next week Reverend Jim McGrath back, and he'll be doing a show on St. Patrick. So we're totally excited about that. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and who is the real St. Patrick, and what are some of the controversial aspects of him. So I think that that's going to be very interesting. And then the following week, we're going to have uh, James Him Mitchell on, who's going to be doing a show on dream interpretation. So I know that's going to be fascinating. And then finally, um, instead of having our, our usual segment of Spell It Out at the end of the month, we're going to have our good friend Humberto Braga back on since we unfortunately had him here last week and we couldn't do the show because of the, the technical issues. So he's going to come and join us and he'll be on at the end of the month to talk about his Guide True project and how he's networking healers and mediums and all kinds of cool people together. Um, um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, thanks so much for the support. You know, our audience continues to grow, and, and we're excited about that, our subscribers. So please do subscribe if you listen to the show, and that's going to be awesome. We really appreciate it. It really helps a lot. Um, and this show, as Krista was saying, we're going to get to know us a little bit better too. And so if you do have any questions, just put them in the live chat, and I'll uh, be happy to answer them, and Krista will. Um, so and get all the information on our show on our website, SixthSenseSociety.com. It's S-I-X-T-H, all spelled out, so SixthSenseSociety.com, and you can find everything you need to know there. So with that, I'm going to kick it back to Krista, and this should be a fun show. I'm very much looking forward, so take it away, Krista. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. Um, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about how I came to do the tarot because it was really very unexpected in my journey. I was already interested in metaphysics. Uh, I studied, my very first uh, thing I studied was numerology. And of course, I did my own numbers. I think I read um, numerology in the divine triangle. I think that was the one I used. And then, of course, I, I told people in previous shows, I went to um, Steve Forrest, but I also went to some other really cool astrologers when I was younger that did different things. I studied astrology a little there, again, mostly to learn for myself. So I never really intended to be a reader. And in fact, when I would go to psychics, none of them thought I'd be a reader. They didn't say, don't do readings. Uh, they all said I was highly intuitive, uh, very creative. And um, one particularly thought I should work with my mind, that I was intellectual enough that I'd get bored if I did not, which is very true. That's why I use uh, Kabbalah with the tarot, because it really helps my mind be engaged in learning. And of course, it's a brilliant system. So I, I went to Nova Scotia um, because of my friend Ken Friedman and because of a relocation astrologer. His name is Chris Lee, and I had gotten a relocation astrology reading um, on a recommendation from a friend, and he was really, really excellent and helpful. So I, I went up there at a very difficult time. I sort of felt I wanted to go to Nova Scotia to mostly to heal because I'd, I'd gone through some real difficult challenges. And Ken Friedman was a really good friend of mine and still a very good friend of mine from my Buddhist uh, years. And he uh, offered to sort of let me, let me stay at his apartment indefinitely. So 
I went up there and I actually went back to school for a while at Dalhousie, which I also really enjoyed. While there, I made friends with this wonderful young woman named Yvonne, and she noticed that there was a, a bookstore called Little Mysteries that was opening up and or was open, and she thought, based on my interest, I would like it. She said, oh, it's a pagan bookstore. I think you'd like it, Krista. Why don't you go check it out? And so I did, and that's my first um, time I went in to uh, Little Mysteries and met Vanessa there, but I was just a customer there. Uh, at Little Mysteries, uh, she had uh, these pagan meet and greets that were very open. She was very generous and had allowed people to come and meet in the pagan community and have coffee and tea and talk. And that's where I met Michael. Uh, so that was my first encounter with Michael. And at that point, I still, I think I'd had one tarot card, two tarot card readings in my life. I mostly had had astrology readings, psychic readings, all different kinds of readings, but tarot. So I um, was still in school and I had, uh, I, I, had, I had to go back to the United States and um, I didn't have a lot of money and I'd already given up my, my room where I was staying and so I ended up moving in with Michael after we kind of went on a, a date. So uh, I, I think I asked him out. <laughs> and uh, so we had to kind of do some things in an order that most people don't do and take kind of a chance. But I want to backtrack initially to the date because uh, on my first date, Michael gave me a tarot card reading and it was really good. It was, I don't remember all of the details, but I remember thinking like it made sense and it was a, a really decent reading and I'd never had, you know, much luck with um, the, the tarot cards before. But again, I only had two readings, you know, uh, and again, one of the, one of the two was actually kind of good to tell you the truth. So that was, uh, Michael had already been uh, studying the tarot, and he'll explain why he was studying it and how it started for him. And I, at that point, was using the, the medicine cards by Jamie Sams and David Carson on a regular basis because I really loved them. And I was, you know, maybe somewhat proficient with them. So that was my initial introduction to Michael and the tarot. So why don't you jump in here, Michael? Yeah, um, it, it, Krista, well, she said we, we got into it around the same time. I, well, when we met, I was not into it very long before we met. Um, and the way I kind of get into everything was back in the day, we go through a, a thing called, uh, Krista will correct me, I can't suddenly think of it in our mid-30s. It's a Jupiter return maybe. Yes, um, yeah. And so a lot of times when that happens, we start to look for more spiritual things. You know, what is the meaning of life? We start to ask those deeper questions. And I hadn't been particularly spiritual up until that point. Um, but I, I kind of got fascinated with things and alternative religion. And I, there was a little bookstore, you know, uh, Little Mysteries, as Krista suggested, back in Halifax with Vanessa and Tim. And shout out to them if they're ever listening to our shows that we love you guys. And you kind of gave us our start. And we, to this day, appreciate it. Um, so in there, and I, I was going in and, and talking about, you know, different things and exploring different ideas. And uh, I think Vanessa said to me, you know, you'd probably find tarot fascinating. So I picked up a tarot deck and I started studying it and, and became fascinated with it. And then one thing led to another. And here we are 25 years later, still professional tarot readers. So it's a really cool thing. Um, and I have to say, it's been a fascinating journey, you know. And, and back in the early days, I think the most fun we ever had as readers, and this is one thing I try and tell people when they're getting in, in, into reading, uh, especially professionally, is that don't necessarily follow the crowd. Look for your own space, especially starting out. We've worked in bookstores, and they can be there can be a lot of politics and witch wars and things like that, which isn't always a lot of fun. Um, and I think starting out as a reader, I'm not sure you really need all of that. So for me, um, the most fun we had was there was in Halifax in Nova Scotia, there was a, a place on the waterfront called the Historic Properties, and, and it's all buildings from the 1800s, and uh, they've all been made into shops and pubs and restaurants. It's a very touristy area. It's right on the, the waterfront itself. And there was a little um, park there, a little hill with a little retaining wall, and the ocean was right behind us, the docks. Um, and so we went down in the evening, and we would sit on the retaining wall, and we took a, a couple of plywood boards, and we covered them with, with some nice fabric, and we took little lanterns and a little sign, tarot readings, $20 each or something. And, and we would sit there in the evening, and so tourists would come along, we would do readings for them, and it was a very relaxed atmosphere. It was great having the ocean right there. It was kind of just to ourselves. It was nice. Um, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, we'd still have a lineup of people wanting to get a reading. It was insane. So we, we had a lot of fun with it. But honestly, it was the most fun I think we've ever 
ever had as readers. So unfortunately in Halifax, it snows a lot in the wintertime, so it's a short season. So otherwise, we'd probably still be there doing readings on the waterfront. But it was a great way to start. So if you are starting out as a reader, don't necessarily jump right into bookstores and stuff like that. I think try and find a place the cafes are open to it, salons are sometimes open to it, you know, neighborhood places um, where you can sort of have it to yourself and, and kind of not have to deal with a lot of the politics that unfortunately happens in a lot of bookstores and so forth when you're dealing with other readers. But but getting back to my story, um, I was also seeking a, a religion at that point. So I became very interested in paganism and witchcraft in particular. And uh, being in Nova Scotia, I used to go visit friends in Salem uh, around Halloween and spend Halloween in Salem. So the first pagan ritual I ever went to was on Gallows Hill in Salem, Massachusetts for Halloween. So I guess if you're going to do things, jump in at the deep end, right? And so, so that was kind of my beginning of all of it. And it became a fascinating journey. And to this day, I'm fascinated with it. I think even though Krista and I, we, between the two of us, we've probably done, we think, more than 40,000 readings. And yet still, the tarot is fascinating and how it all works. So I don't think it'll ever get old. So um, what are your thoughts, Krista? There's another person I wanted to thank, too, and that was Shane is Shane Hatfield, because he let us sleep on his couch when we had no money and we had to leave Michael's apartment. And he was very generous. And he also would go and read with us on, that's how I remember, the front, the Halifax um, front. And uh, so I really appreciate his support during that time, too. It was right before we actually headed out for California, uh, which one reason we came out to California was at that time, both of my parents were living in California Although they were divorced, my father was living in L.A. and my mother was in Sonoma County. So that they were getting older. They weren't elderly. I just wanted to be kind of on the same coast as as them. And, and then Michael, I remember, had said that you said that you thought it would be a good growing experience for us because we we had a great time reading in Nova Scotia and Halifax. And I really had a wonderful time at Little Mysteries. I have some really funny memories like when this whole cruise ship suddenly fell in love with me <laughs> and they were all coming for readings from this one cruise ship which really helped you know with my clout there you know because in in Halifax Michael was the superstar I was the sidekick there and um and which is fine that was his territory in some ways I, I was fine with that and so we've always been very supportive of each other as far as who's more popular than who or whatever because we, we know we're both excellent readers and we both really care about it uh, so that's the other person I wanted to kind of give a little shout out to is Shane. Yeah, it was really great. And, you know, we, we've we've had an interesting life doing all of this stuff for sure. Um, as Krista said, you know, we've been blessed. We, we It hasn't always been an easy path when you start. Um, and there were times where we were down to our last 20 bucks and, and yet we somehow found a way to make it work and, you know, doing reading for someone. Um, it's really fascinating, too, when you start the reading process. Um, I find that one of the things that will tend to happen when you decide to take this seriously is, and I see it with a lot of people that we've taught the tarot over the years, is early on you're going to get confronted with whatever your greatest fear is, and that happens certainly for me. And, and starting out, um, I remember putting up a sign, you know, a student tarot reader wants to do readings for experience kind of thing. We put the word out to see if I could get some people. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, my first real reading for a stranger, I just don't want it to be something too intense. You know, I want it to be easy. Um, and so this woman calls and she wants to get a reading. She's going through this horrible divorce and it's all this intense stuff. And I'm going, dear God, I mean, come on, you know, this isn't where I wanted to start. And so before I'm supposed to meet with her, this guy calls and wants a reading. So I'm thinking, well, thank God, you know, we don't have to start there and something easier. So it turns out I go to do the reading and he's from the Middle East and his family's been cursed by this gypsy forever. And it's all this stuff that's really super intense. So I, I think the gods were saying, if you think that that's intense, we could have done this to you. And they gave me something even worse. So we kind of uh, had to start there. But I've seen many people that will be confronted with whatever their, their worst fear is. Being wrong, perhaps, is the worst fear, things of that nature. So, or being, you know, someone not, you know, someone thinking you're fraudulent, you know, it can be all kinds of different things. And it's kind of like a, a, a rite of passage, I think, where you have to deal with that stuff. But I think it's worth sticking with. And to me, the tarot has been a very enriching experience for, for us, I think, in particular. And it's helped us. You know, we, the whole decision to come to California was certainly based on a, a tarot reading, which said, you guys need to do this. It's going to be really amazing. And here we are all these years later, and it has been an amazing journey. It's true. My, uh, I, I think that's very true about the fear you're tested on. My fear was somebody would come and ask details about some past situations. And of course they did. They came, this woman had, uh, had I guess, I think her, her 
I don't know if it's her boyfriend or husband had cheated on her like years ago and she wanted specific things. And I, I don't know how I did to tell you the truth. I remember just going, oh God, here it is. <laughs> I got to do this. And it was the only time I ever got quite that question. And I must have done okay. Uh, I don't remember her getting angry. I'm not saying I got everything right or whatever, but I, I think that I must have at least passed the spiritual test and, and um, have moved on to uh, other things. The other thing I found a little intimidating at first, and people that know me now probably don't believe this, is there were certain personalities that would intimidate me. And they were the ones that would come in that were very closed and aggressive. And they would, you know, just give you this like look and this energy. And they weren't skeptics. They, they were, and, and often, believe it or not, some of them were readers. <laughs> so readers can sometimes be unkind to other readers, I think, when they go in to get a reading. They're just trying to size them up. And so I, I think it helped having Michael as my partner because I'd come home like in tears, like I can't take it. And he would just say, hey, do your thing, be yourself. You know, some people will love you, some people won't. And don't worry about that. Just do what you can, do the best you can. And, and so my advice would be, if you don't have someone like I do, where I have my partner um, doing readings, maybe a friend that you can support each other emotionally, practically, it does help to have that, you know, and, and they can even check you a little bit if you're getting too greedy or something or, or you're not pushing yourself enough. They think maybe it's time for you to go out in the world and do it because you want to. That I think is a very helpful thing. And, uh, and even if you're not doing it professionally, it's fun to learn with somebody else and uh, grow with somebody else. So I found that to be really beneficial. And I know that helped us when we got into the Kabbalah and we talked about the Kabbalah day and night, having another person really interested in it to sound off on. Yeah, and I, I think that that is a good thing. And then, you know, obviously it's a lifelong learning experience and your readings are not going to necessarily be the, you, you'll think they're great when you first started out the first year. We thought, wow, we're doing good. And then, you know, 10 years of experience, we're looking back saying, man, I can't even believe we charge for those because we've grown so much over that period of time. But I remember listening to a, an interview with Joe Walsh, the guitar player for the Eagles. And he said, when I first started out, he said, you know, man, I really sucked, he said, but that was okay, he said, because I knew to get really good at something, you had to suck first, and that's where everybody starts, and then you kind of work from there and get better. And I think that's true with readings, too. You know, don't be intimidated if you don't think you're the best reader in the world. You know, your experience is going to be your teacher, and, and the more that you work with the tarot or doing whatever system you do, the more you're going to learn as you go, your, your successes, the things that don't work are going to teach you things, you're going to see new nuances as you develop as a reader, but it's all about gaining experience, and, and there's just no substitute for that, really, when it comes to it. Now, having said that, that there is a lot of wisdom in the tarot, and I think that making sure that you are studying it in a more scholarly way is probably beneficial for the tarot in particular. Um, some systems probably don't need that as much, but and I, I certainly think with the tarot, the, the way we teach people, you, you really do need a little understanding of that Kabbalistic philosophy that it's based on. Otherwise, I think that you view the deck incredibly superficially, and a lot of readers, unfortunately, that we hear over here um, really have a very superficial way of looking at it, whereas I think with the Kabbalah, it gives you a much deeper understanding. Um, I also think that it's really great when we do our own readings. I've kind of gotten to the point in my life where I'm not so much looking for specifics anymore. As Krista was saying, there was the one that wanted all the specific details about everything. But I think that those more broader things, am I actually going in the right direction? You know, what are those broader energies I can use? Should I be connecting with people? Should I be working on self? Should I be, you know, is there something, should I be patient? Should I be a little more assertive? Um, to me, those are the great questions. And, and I, I think that not being necessarily as caught up in the absolute tiny minutia specifics and looking at the reading in a broader picture. And sometimes, you know, we're looking at a situation where we have some uncertainty and the reading will suggest, look, you know, don't worry, it's all going to work out fine. Now, that doesn't necessarily give me a lot of detail, but it does give me a lot of comfort. And to me, I think that that's a big thing with the tarot is to show that, you know, this is going to, you're going to land on your feet, you're going to be great, don't worry about it. Um, and we can take a lot of strength from that as we go forward. But as I said, I find personally I'm less interested in the absolute specific details and a little bit more on the broader, and I always find that to be, for me, a little more useful and helpful. Yeah, I agree, because I also feel that it's important to give people room to work with the energies. And if I have a very set thing I say to people, I'm limiting possibilities without knowing it. So I'll give you an example in my own life. When we were out here for a couple of years, Michael realized he really needed a computer. 
And even this is not terror related, it's similar to the idea of keeping things open. And we had no credit card, not a lot of money. And I was all like panicky inside thinking like, I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to have a, you know, we can't afford it. We don't have a credit card. And finally I relaxed and I said, you know, we're going to do it somehow. And after I did that, um, someone we know came up to Michael and said, hey, I have this computer in storage and I need a place to use it now and then. Can I leave it at your apartment indefinitely and just come by now and then and use it? And I couldn't believe that was an option. <laughs> and that's when I realized the universe can have options for us that we're just not aware of. And so it helped because then Michael could use the computer long enough to know what he really wanted and also to save money to buy a computer, which we did. And it all worked out so beautifully. Now, again, I don't know that this always happens with what we want, but in something like small like that, but important, I think the universe can cooperate with us, I think, with getting things like that. So that was... Um, that's what I mean by kind of keeping it a little open-ended. The other thing I would like to suggest is that if you're working with any particular deck, it's not a bad idea to re read the, in fact, it's a good idea to read the original book that was written with the deck. And I recently, even though I don't use the Waite deck, I decided to read the Pictorial Guide to the Tarot by Arthur Waite. And I found things in there that I absolutely agree with, even though he's very like hesitant and doesn't really want to talk about divination. I was surprised. And I also, some of it's really beautiful, actually. I mean, some of the thoughts he has about the soul and, and it gives you an idea at least of the headspace of the person that is responsible for creating that deck. And for me, the reason that's important, which I've gone over in other shows, is I don't think people avail themselves of the extra help the tarot will give you if you allow it and study it. So if I'm going to use the weight deck, I am going to study weight for a while because I'm going to tap into some of his wisdom, even though he's dead, you can tap in through his books and I think through the other world because I've had that experience with Aleister Crowley. And it, it, all, it, all I can say is it enriches you. It enriches your understanding of the deck. You can, of course, completely disagree with how he views it. But I really feel it's important if you want to get to know the tarot. It's another way to get to know the tarot. I'm going to get to know the person who wrote this book about that deck. And I'm not sure people go to the original books. I think they go to people that have written about the other person, which I think will dilute it and also misinterpret the person. Yeah, I think that there's so much to it, you know, and, and for me, again, you know, I think it's just an incredible journey and, and we wish we could teach more. Um, Chris and I used to do some classes and we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit, although some of our former students are now chasing us wanting to do a reflect, reflect, I can't talk today, refresher class, which we may well do. Um, but we do a little bit more individual students these days when we teach tarot. Um, but it's fascinating and, and you know, there, there's just a never-ending fascination with it, you know, and as I said, just when you think you've seen everything, it teaches you something new, which I think is great. I just want to give a quick comment. Uh, we had a question a while back from one of our, our people, uh, our watchers, viewers, uh, who asked why I don't look at the camera more. And just so you guys know, I'm multitasking like crazy here. I'm running cameras and credits and uh, audio and monitoring chat and all kinds of different things. So that's the reason why is that I'm, I've got too much going on. So if you do ask out there, thank you. That's I do know you're there and I do, do try and glance once in a while. But keep in mind, I've got a lot going on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a great journey. And uh, I, I don't know, what what advice would you give for someone who is really just brand new? That Because we get a lot of people chatting and, and asking us you know, for advice as readers. So what would you say is the very most important thing if this was day one that you learned? Meaning day one that they're just starting to learn the tarot too? Yeah. Okay. Well, the first thing I would say is that I would suggest picking a deck that looks like it comes from the lineage of the tarot. And there are some modern versions that I think would be good, like the Handel deck, or I started with the Robin Wood deck, which is very pagan. The reason for that is there is something about the images that are archetypal and that will allow you to easily relate to, oh, this empress, I can understand the archetype of the empress. And it'll make it easier for you to have some of your own accurate ideas of the tarot. Uh, you know, I think that it's very important to play with the cards a lot, you know, like see it as like, I, I think that's why I like the idea that it came out of a game 
is there is an element of play with the tarot that we can all relate to. We, most of us had card games we did when we were younger. So the element of play is really important with the tarot and having that attitude like you're not putting a lot of pressure on yourself. I'm just going to see how it goes. And, and, and it's not a bad idea to do like a little three-card reading and, and perhaps keep a record of it. You know, say I'm going to do, I'm just going to see what's going to happen. I'll do a three card reading. So you can start to try to look at how the cards interact with each other, which by the way, even weight says the card meanings change according to what's around it. Crawley said that, Kabbalah says that. So you want to be learning how to see patterns. And I would start with a small pattern and, you know, work myself up into the more complex layouts or you'll be really overwhelmed. I think what Michael did was very smart, where he put himself out as an apprentice. People are very forgiving if you give them a free reading, but he wanted to test his knowledge out on people he didn't know. By doing it on people we don't know, you really have to trust the information coming through you and the cards. And so anyway, you can do that. Uh, perhaps doing some kind of uh, charity events will sometimes have readers that are, you know, don't have as much experience. And again, people are very forgiving of mistakes. I think uh, stay away from absolutes. Uh, I think they're very um, limiting. Once in a while, I say something that I feel sounds like an absolute. Yes, I really think that's going to happen. I think it's important for a variety of reasons, but I don't mean to be wishy-washy either, like letting all options be open when you interpret. So those are some of the things I would advise. Yeah, I, I think that what Krista was saying about three cards, I'm a big believer in that. And and to me, it's all about patterns. It's about learning to see patterns in the reading. And one card does not make a pattern. So I, I always tell people this idea of doing a one-card reading where you choose one card. A card to me is like a, a word. Um, and a word without a sentence has no context. It's very difficult to understand it properly. Um, loyalty, you know, what is loyalty? Well, you know, it depends on the context. And, and is it is it that you're being too loyal to someone that you probably shouldn't be loyal to, and which we see nowadays in some forms of government? Um, you know, or, or is it misplaced loyalty? Is it a good thing? But without the, the, the other cards to give it that context, it's really, really hard to understand and interpret it properly. Um, so I think a three-card reading minimum, I think three cards is minimum for a pattern. Um, and I think you always want to do that more so than one. Uh, the idea of, of doing a, a reading to predict or reflect on your day, sure, you know, you may gain insight from that. Um, and I'll tell you a funny story, too. One of the things that Chris and I are, are known for is that we're not at all afraid to kind of get into timing predictions. Um, and so when will something happen or how will something, how long will something last type of thing? And, and I need to tell you guys the story about how we, we figured out how to do that was when we first moved to Venice, uh, we were doing readings down on the boardwalk for the first year. And it was the wintertime we first landed here and it was El Nino year, so it was raining a lot. And so the weatherman would say it's going to rain tomorrow, but he would never say exactly when it was going to start. And so if it was going to start raining at, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, I could work most of the day and maybe make a couple bucks. But if it wasn't going to start if it was going to start raining at ten o'clock in the morning, there was no point in dragging my stuff out. So to kind of figure it out, um, we actually devised a system with the tarot to try and predict when the rain was going to start. And we actually got it to the point that it was pretty accurate. We'd say, OK, I have to leave at 2.30 because it's going to start raining by 3. And I'd, it's a half hour walk home. And I, I would get to the front door of my home just as it was starting to drizzle. So, so, so and, and then so to take the system that we devised for that and then to look at weeks and months and years which is taking that basic system we developed and then expanding it. Um, but it's proven to be very accurate. And, and there are things that happen with tarot readings that I still can't explain when it comes to that. And one of my, my favorite stories about timing um, was a, a gentleman that called Krista, and I'd read for him at the Bodhi Tree in Melrose while it was there. And... Uh, and he said, your probably, husband probably won't remember me. He did a reading for me back in the fall, and the, this was in the spring. Um, and he said, the last thing I asked him about was travel. And he looked at the reading, and he said, well, everything looked fine except for January. And he wasn't really thrilled with January, so, but everything else was great. Um, so he said, just to be safe, I canceled all my travel plans in January that year. And, and uh, he said, every January I spend visiting my friends in Haiti, I would have been there for the earthquake. And the hotel I stayed at was completely demolished. I would have probably been killed. And he said, I don't know how he came up with January, but but it wasn't just a guess, you know, that there was something in the reading. There's a, 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 um, 
there are signs there if you know where to look for them and ways to measure it. And it was very specific that you know January was not the time for him to travel. And and again, I, the way I look at it, I had a only a one in twelve chance, which isn't a very good chance of being right. You know, just guessing. Um, and I've seen that happen several times where you know that, that there's something to it. Now, having said that, keep in mind whenever you're doing predictions that it's based upon all things being, you know, what they are, but things do change sometimes. You know, people can change things. So, and we can't really control what our clients do once they actually leave. So, uh, I might give a person advice to um, give the guy some space, and they end up blowing up his phone, and that changes the whole outcome that was predicted in the reading. And not to blame our clients all the times, because sometimes life just is is twisty. And and I also think that whenever we're doing readings and making prediction. Um, that we're basing that on probabilities. So what we're really saying is of all the things which could happen, this is the thing that I think is the most likely to occur and when it is most likely to occur. Um, and I think that that's a healthy way of understanding life. And, and again, for me, life is about giving ourselves the very best chance for something to happen. I want to know if the odds are in my favor if I'm going to do something. What can I do to make those even more in my favor? You know, and, and the, the readings can give incredible insight to all of that stuff. So I think it's an incredibly worthwhile experience getting a reading. And Kristen and I do readings for ourselves. You know, we've made major decisions in our life based on tarot Absolutely. readings. And so it's certainly something that we strongly believe in. But is it a, a foolproof system? No. And, and sometimes things happen a little differently than you anticipate for whatever reason. Uh, there's always little random elements that occur in things that sometimes have no effect and sometimes can change things a lot. So a little bit of chaos. So again, I don't think we should look at it as a set in stone kind of a thing. But And, and that's why for me, as I said, I prefer to look at readings as you know, giving me some insight as to whether I'm doing my best and whether there's something I could be doing more. And, and just try and make sure I'm working as much in harmony with energies to create an outcome that's desired as much as possible. And I think that's by far the healthiest way to use any reading. Yeah, time is very interesting. And uh, Michael and I are very enthusiastic about just the concept of time. That's probably one reason we like to explore it. And we were big Doctor Who fans, uh, like to sometimes read about the physics about time. And I have observed some things which I cannot say, of course, are scientific, but are, are very fascinating. For instance, uh, I've done enough legal um, cases, and I mean really long cases that go over four or five years, where I have come to the conclusion that time operates differently in the legal world. And when you think about it, that is true. So I've had to learn to see that, first of all, it's much slower. So if it's fast timing in a legal situation, again, we're talking about complex legal things. We're not talking about, you know, small claims court. And I have to adjust my thoughts around time as if it's, it's acting differently. Uh, I also feel there is something called divine timing. And I notice it if there's a lot of middle pillar cards in the reading that divine timing is sort of coming in. So that makes it a little tricky for me to predict. And I often talk about that with the client. Uh, we've also noticed that when, let's say, you haven't met the person you're going to be involved with romantically, the timing of that meeting is can kind of extend longer. And I'm not sure why, but once a person is with someone for, say, like maybe six months, the patterns are developing so that you can sort of predict a little better some of the timing. And so one of my thoughts about the probabilities and the timing is that there has to be a bit of a pattern developing. Uh, an example of, of where there wasn't, I, I wasn't able to time something was with a job where somebody was going to interview and I looked at the cards and I could tell they weren't through the interview process. So they, they couldn't say when they were going to decide. So the cards could not say. And I said, look, I, I can't tell you because they're still interviewing. And, and the person said, yes, that's true. They are still in the interview process. So there was no, no way to extrapolate. So it's interesting time and predictions are not something in, in a vacuum is what I've noticed. Uh, so it's a, I find it's really a really fascinating thing to time. And I don't mind that I know I'm going to be off. And I'm always I'm still amazed that I can get timing because I don't see it as a psychic thing. I see it as a deduction and analysis um, based on all of the ways we approach the reading. So it's a combination of skills that I have. And then I just jump and do it. So uh, sometimes we joke and say we're, we're time lords, Michael and I, <laughs> at least baby ones. 
Yeah. Um, just a quick question from our guest. We have on our live chat, Darian the Barbarian, and he's a big fan of the show. Um, if you look at our live chat, I'm trying desperately to persuade him to be a guest at some point, and I hope that he'll consider it. I'm going to keep bugging you, Darian, until you say yes, just so you know. Um, but he asked a great question that we do get a lot, and that's um, – do you have to be gifted a tarot deck or what? can you purchase your own? And this does come up quite a bit. And, and um, our thoughts on that really is that a lot of this, I think, goes back to the gypsies. And I think that the gypsies really like to limit competition. So the whole idea that you couldn't actually read the tarot unless they gifted you a deck, uh, which was probably never going to happen, <laughs> um, I think was a way of just kind of limiting some competition. I don't think there's a problem. I don't think I've ever in my whole life been gifted a tarot deck as far as I can recall. I think that for the most part... I, and I'll, certainly all the decks I've worked with, I've purchased myself. Um, so I don't think it has to be gifted. Um, and in fact, I think the opposite. I think that for me, if you're going to really work with the tarot, and, and it takes a lot of study. You're going to be spending a lot of hours working with it, a lot of hours looking at it. And what happens if somebody gifts you a tarot deck that you're actually just not that into? You're just not really into the artwork in it or it just doesn't resonate for you. Um, I think you're way better off choosing something that you really love and that really speaks to you and that there's really uh, uh, the artwork and the stuff style is just really, you know, something that turns you on. Because then you're going to love working with it. You're going to love spending all those hours with it. It's not going to be something you grow tired of. So, so Darian, my advice is, you know, purchase your own deck and find one that you absolutely love. And that's the one you should be working with. I agree. And I think that, um, you know, we've been given some decks over the year as gifts, which obviously it's usually nice when people think of you and buy something they think is special. The problem I feel with the whole gifted thing is I've overheard sometimes at the bookstore one young woman was talking about it, and you can tell she was kind of felt special. And and I think go right ahead and feel special because I'll tell you what, the tarot's going to knock you down <laughs> because, yes, we're each unique and have special abilities with the tarot that we're supposed to develop, but you are not better because someone gifted you the tarot. Perhaps it is your path. Perhaps the universe is trying to show you a path that, you know, in a way, I wasn't gifted a deck, but I remember my friend Lainey, who had a big influence on me. She always had the medicine card deck. They were out on her table, and I would pick a card a day. So my exposure to that led me to really like cards. I'd never really thought about cards. And I still didn't think about doing uh, readings for a living. And it took me actually many years to really embrace that concept even after I was doing it. But I agree with Michael. I think it's more important that you really have a, you you resonate with the deck. And certainly it's lovely if people give you gifts in a thoughtful way. And, and if it happens to you, great. Embrace it and you love the deck, great. Uh, but feel free because the other thing is your decks wear out. <laughs> and so well, what happens if you're gifted a deck and you lose a card and that would mean you couldn't read anymore, which what if you were an amazing reading, reader helping people? So again, I, I think it's probably is a sort of a superstition that was to limit competition. I agree with Michael. Yeah, and, you know, Krista and I obviously very much love the tarot, and that's something we've been doing for a long time. But there are a lot of other really great systems out there, too. And I know our friend Darian is into the ruins. He's he's into a, his Norse background, so it speaks to him. And I've seen some people do wonderful things with that particular system. Um, there are many other divination systems that also work incredibly well. And I kind of wanted to come back to, to what I think is the whole thing with divination to begin with, which is the idea that if you are meant to get a message, you will get the message one way or another. It could be synchronicity. It could be on a billboard that you're passing. We have that funny story where Krista had to confront someone and, and she wasn't really looking forward to it. And her totem is the, the moose. And the moose is always the old warrior and confidence and, and not so much a conflicting energy, but more standing your ground kind of energy. And so she's driving down Venice Boulevard and, and uh, the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie was, was coming out. And she looks up and here's this huge billboard that says evil meets its moose. <laughs> so so she took that as a great sign. That's a reading. That, that's the universe telling you something. So I think that all these systems work in that way, and I think that the message is what the message is meant to be for whatever reason. Um, we also get this question, does the tarot lie to you? And the answer is yes, absolutely it will, if it thinks it's going to screw you up, if it doesn't. Not for a bad reason, in a sense. So, for example, when Krista and I came to from Nova Scotia, we were sitting in a pub in Nova Scotia, and Krista said, or I said, let's go visit your mom in California. Um, and so we had like 600 bucks to our name. We drove all the way across North America with, with no money in our pockets. And I think by the time we got to her mom's place, we had like eight bucks left or something. Um, 
And the tarot said, go, it will be easy, don't worry about it. Well, it wasn't. It was challenging, and, and we went through a lot of challenge with the transition. But after we got to the other side of it, it was clear that we'd made a good decision and we were at a good place and, and that it was an important decision to go there. Uh, Krista said, had we known how difficult it was going to be, would we have gone? And I said, probably not, and that's probably why the tarot didn't want to say that. You know, It wanted to say, look, this will be fine. Just go ahead. You know. So I think sometimes it will deceive you a little bit if it's for your own good, and I, I'm okay with that. You know, That doesn't bother me. Um, but I don't think it misleads in that sense, that, that whatever it's encouraging you to do, I, I think is the right thing that will ultimately, in the long run, get you to where you need to be. And I really think that, again, it's it's that long – I think the tarot is a long game. It's about getting you ultimately to where you need to be. And I, I think that that's really a big part of it. But as I said, yes, it will mislead a little bit, and, and that's okay. You know, As I said, we're not always meant to know everything. And, and in fact, when I first started this years ago, uh, the um, very first thing I said to myself before my very first reading was, look, you know, I don't believe people are meant to know everything. So if they're not meant to know something, I don't want to see it. Don't tell it to me because, again – I'm I'm not about ego. I'm not about trying to be perfect. I'm not about being a god. For me, I, I just want to give them the right message and the right advice that will help them, whatever that is. So it's a, and there are times where I think I don't see things because I don't think the person is meant to know. I agree with that. I think the tarot can, uh, I guess, leave things out. And one of the things I do remember about that reading oddly, I remember weird things in my past is we had a lot of the princesses and we had the fool when we came out. And I understand now how transitional those cards are and how changeable they were. But it did have a sense of fun, I remember. And there was an element of a lot of fun coming out here, the adventure. I wouldn't, you know, trade it for anything, the adventures we had. We even stopped in a, a field one day and woke up with all these wild bunnies <laughs> around us. And it was amazing. And Rabbit is about confronting your fear. So it, it was really beautiful in a lot of ways. And so signs come in, like Michael said, many ways. And and I agree with the, that Tarot is the, more of a, a long journey. And one of the most important advice I can give you with reading for relationships is do your best to see nuances. And I have read sometimes for really complex situations over a long period of time that because I trusted the tarot, it really led these two people forward in ways that might, you don't expect they would. So I know it works because I've sometimes literally, I remember one relationship that was very complex between two people went on for about seven years before it resulted in what was sort of the favored outcome. And the cards guided the situation all the way. And I just trusted it. I left my opinion to the door. It's very important not to have opinions about relationships um, that might interfere. So if you find you're very opinionated about what's right and wrong in a relationship, then it's going to be very difficult for you to read other people's lives because it's, it's, the tarot doesn't care about morality. It cares about truth. And truth is sometimes we're in situations that will bring us to the truth that are just not your everyday situation. Uh, one example I'll give was I remember I was doing a reading for a woman in her 40s. And it was after the, I'd done the reading, I was looking at, she told me the details of her relationship problem. And it, the cards had fully said that she should stay with it, that it was a smart idea and it was very healing. And she told me she was with someone who had a uh, sex addiction. And she already knew that he had a sex addiction. She knew how bad it was and he was getting help, but she also knew what she was in for. And she knew it might not turn out the way she wanted, but she was going in with her eyes open and the cards agreed and they thought she was making a sound decision. And that really stuck with me because she really felt that way to me. She felt very accepting. She was not, you know, glamorizing it. She was not, you know, in a fantasy about the situation. She truly loved the person and wanted to go on that journey with him. Now, that might not be good for everybody, but it, the cards indicated it was good for her. And I was really, uh, it, it stuck with me because of that. I said, you just don't know. There's one of the things I think I'm probably... I never was super judgmental about relationships. I'm not really sure. I have my judgments about other things and I'm very kind of open-minded, but I've become even less so, you know, there's just, you don't know what goes on between two people. And the tarot has allowed me the privilege, honestly, of looking into the dynamics of relationships over, you know, 20 years. I have learned so much about human nature in relationships. 
Yeah, and I, I think Krista brings up an excellent point, which for me as a reader, you have to be non-judgmental. You have to be neutral. Um, and so we're not there to judge others, and, and that's between them and their God, if you will, but it's not to do with us. Um, and so quite often we'll have clients that will say that, gee, you're, you're not judging me. Well, it's not my job. You know, My job is to try and advise you, not judge you. Um, and I think that being neutral is very important, as Krista suggests. You know, Ultimately, for me, it's about truth and what will help this person the most, and it's just that search for truth, um, whatever that may be. Um, so I think that that's the important thing. Now, I think that having said that you should be non-judgmental doesn't mean that you should be completely open to everything either. And there may be things that you find offensive enough. Let's say, you know, for me personally, if the person told me they were a pedophile, I'm not sure I want to work with that person because I'm not sure I can be non-judgmental when it comes to things like that, obviously, and nor should I, or that they hurt animals. So I have certain boundaries that for me, I'm not going to work with somebody if I feel that I can't be impartial. And that would be so offensive to me that I think that impartiality goes right out the window. And for me, if you can't be impartial, probably not the best idea to read for that person. Now, I think it's good to explain to them why you're, you're not going to want to read for them. Uh, as as tactfully as you can. But I, I think at the same time, or if someone is, is abusive, you know, we've had clients not often think, it's so funny, we think of the thousands and thousands of clients we've had over the years, and yet very few have been abusive. But every once in a while, there's somebody that just wants to be very abusive, and they think they're paying you just to have a punching bag that they can abuse. Well, guess what? The reading's going to stop, and I'm not going to read for you again, you know, because I, I'm not going to allow someone to do that to me. I have that boundary where you, you can... You know, be a little needy. That's okay. You know, you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. But you can't be abusive, and, and I just won't allow it. So, so again, you know, there's no no law that says you absolutely have to do a reading for someone if you feel that you can't be impartial or that they're being disrespectful to you. Uh, I tell a funny story that I was at the Bodhi Tree one day, and this guy came along, and he was just totally obnoxious about how this was all fraudulent and this and that, just giving me a real real hard time. Um, and after he was going on for a few minutes, this client came along. And, and stuff, stuck her head in. She, oh, that last reading helped so much. It turned out exactly right. Um, I'm so glad I followed the advice, you know, and everything's great. And and it's just it was just so much help. So thank you so much. And then off she went. And at that point, the dude looks at me and he wants to get a reading. It's like, guess what? You know, that ain't going to happen. You just spent the last 10 minutes abusing me. You know, why would I read for you? And and so again, you know, it was, uh, maybe that was his lesson, you know, is is that he, he did himself out of a legitimate uh, reading because, you know, he was being disrespectful respectful. And I won't put up with that kind of disrespect. Um, so again, you know, there, there's no law. And then, as I said, you know, find the system that works for you. There's some great systems out there. Our friend Darian is into the ruins and the Norse stuff. It's fantastic. Astrology, if it's the right person, is great. The one thing I, I would encourage you guys to watch out for a little bit are mediums. And I'm not putting down mediumship as a whole. There's some wonderful examples of some legitimate stuff. But I think that that's the one area where you find the most fraudulent people too, the old gypsy stuff. And, and the reason being is that you really have nothing you can test. I can talk to a person in a few minutes. I can tell what they've studied on tarot and how much they've studied. Even if it's some things that I don't agree with, I know at least they've done some research and they've studied a little bit. Um, same with astrology, same with numerology, same with ruins. There, there are things that we can sort of test a little bit in terms of their knowledge. Um, but with the mediumship, it's kind of a take my word for it thing, and there's really very little you can test. So I think a lot of the people that are much more fraudulent tend to gravitate towards that particular skill set. Now, again, that's not putting down mediumship as a whole because there are some incredibly legitimate people as well. But that's one of those things where I think you have to be very careful in who you choose and work with. And then I think with any system, you know, educate yourself a little bit if you're going to get a reading so that you do know if the person you're working with seems legitimate. Um, because I think a little knowledge is helpful. And, and so read a book on tarot so you understand a little bit about it and then get a reading from someone. Why not? Um, and, and I think that that's, that that's a good thing. Or, or take references. And the other thing I would do with a reader if it's somebody new and I always tell people this. They'll ask, can I have my friend sit in or do you allow me to record the reading? And their answer is absolutely, sure. I've got nothing to hide. Um, and the people that are the most fraudulent um, will never allow either of those things. And, and the reason being is they're going to try and defraud you of your life savings is they don't want you going to the cops with a recording of it you know, or a witness. They want it to be just your word against theirs. That way it was all a big misunderstanding. And unfortunately, there's a lot of those people out there still. We've run into stories, Krista can tell you, where people have been taken advantage of for, for tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and, and if someone does try and take advantage of you that way, you know, or they do, 
don't be afraid to go to the police. You know, there are, are we, we've encouraged people to do that when they've been ripped off and, and the police, police have helped them to recover some of their money or, and they're not going to make fun of you because they've dealt with some of these people. But I think a lot of the fraudulent people are hoping that you'll feel ashamed and embarrassed and that's going to prevent you from seeking any kind of assistance to kind of deal with them. Um, so as I said, if you run into one of those people that's just trying to rip you off and take advantage of you and, and then, you know, walk away or, or don't, and don't buy into the idea that you're cursed and unless you give them your life savings, you're never going to be able to be happier in love or successful. Um, so what's some of your advice, Krista? Well, this is based on my experience in LA. Some of the fraudulent people actually knew a little bit about palmistry. And you can learn some real basic things about palmistry that are really accurate. And they draw you in or also face reading um, because it's, it's really cool when you can read something from a person's body and it be halfway or even all the way accurate. Uh, so some of them were able to do that. And I think the fraudulent mediumship that disturbs me and Michael are the cold reading type mediums. And I, I do know some mediums that will give you verification, like as part of what they do. So you know they're tapping in and not do that cold reading. And and I respect that. I, I think that, um, like Michael said, there are some. But I, I noticed some of the fraudulent ones, at least in LA, will start with the palm a little bit. And then they're really, some of them in LA, again, are really big on the candle, like buying a candle right away and cleansing your chakras because they're all messed up, even though you were feeling fine. <laughs> so that's my, I don't know if it's different in different places, but in LA, that's kind of the style that they they pick here, it seems like. Um, and to be just wary uh, of anything that just makes you feel uncomfortable. I mean, honestly, if you came to me and you were uncomfortable with me for any reason, I would rather you not get a reading. Maybe we aren't a good fit. So I want people to trust that, you know, that, you know, that real awkward uncomfortableness. And, and because I've gone to so many readers myself, I can tell you, even if it didn't turn out to be all accurate, all the ones I went to that I was comfortable with gave me something and I went away feeling better. So to me, it's through my own experiences that I have found that you've got to trust yourself a little. And if you can't, then definitely get recommendations from your friends. A lot of people have gone to readings at this point, and uh, that's not a bad idea, too. Yeah, I think recommendations are a really good way. And, and uh, But like I said, you know, it's trust your feel, too. If you just don't feel right about it, then you trust that. You know, I think that that's also important. So hopefully we're we're giving you guys a little chance to get to know us a little bit better today, which is kind of especially me. I hardly ever spend a lot of time on Mike because Krista does her thing and she's awesome. So I I like to just let her and the guests do their thing. Um, but it is um, something that we care a lot about and we're very passionate about. Obviously, um, if you ever wanted to get a reading from us or take a class or something, get a hold of us because we're always excited to be able to do it. Um, and I think that also um, another point that brings up is that I don't think a reader should charge exorbitant amounts of money for what they do if it's like ten thousand dollars for 30 minutes you know I, I someone once said that a good reading should cost about the same as a good haircut in la that probably is ten thousand dollars these days <laughs> <laughs> but but you know I, I think a reasonable amount it shouldn't be you know extraordinarily huge um i think it should be adequate to, to compensate them for the time and the effort and the hours and the work they've put into learning their skill just like anything else but I think that that, that model of what you would pay for a good haircut is probably a very good model to work with. And I think most legitimate readers I, I've met fall in that range somewhere. They tend to be, you know, 50 to to $100 maybe. And, and again, you know, in L.A., that's a good haircut. Yeah, well, if you work at a bookstore, however, the rates are higher in L.A. So I, I would say our personal rates are, are within that range of $50, $100, and that's what we're really comfortable with, Michael and I. And if you do want to book a reading with us, our website for that is mysticraven.net, M-Y-S-T-I-C-R-A-V-E-N.net. You can book online, or you there's also emails that you can send to us, uh, though if you did send it to the Sixth Sense Society, we would also obviously get that. And um, so, yeah, I agree. You know, what I the way I see uh, the amount is Michael had suggested this early on when I was struggling with what I should charge at home. And he said each of us have to determine what we think is the worth. And so you have to come up with rates that you also feel comfortable. So for me, if I'm not willing to pay it myself, like I for a, a card reading, I would not pay $200 myself then at home, I'm not going to charge that. 
Astrology readings can be a little different because they are often quite in depth. So you might get an hour and a half and that also covers a long period of time. So I'm mixed about that. And if it's someone who's really done a lot of work with astrology for a long time, then I say maybe. But having said that, I do feel the problem with charging like the upper ends is it does kind of limit who can come to you. And, you know, maybe maybe you're okay with that. I, I guess I'm not quite comfortable with that. And I don't think I ever will be. So that's why we decided we're probably never going to make lots of money as readers on our own because we can't go a certain beyond a certain rate. Even when people said, oh, you should, we just didn't feel good about it. And that's, you know, I got to live with my conscience and that's what I, I like to do. Uh, there are people that think you shouldn't charge at all. And again, if that's your belief, uh, more power to you. You know, the way I look at it, it's my time, it's my experience, and my I see myself as a, an interpreter. I, I, I don't see myself as gifted, though I, I would say my gifts, if you're going to say I would rather use the word talent personally, because gift has a bit of an ego connotation to me in the metaphysical world. So my talents where one is um, I'm a good listener, which I work at, believe me. And for whatever reason, people tend to trust me right away. And I'm not saying I deserve it. Uh, I've had that my whole life. People will sit down and tell me their, their deepest secrets. I've had people tell me things in one setting that they won't tell their therapist and their therapist is perfectly fine. They, they don't complain about it. I have this energy where people trust me. And recently, um, somebody told me I was like a Xanox and I, I've been told I calm people a lot and I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I, I do work on being calmer, but they've told me that when I haven't felt calm. <laughs> so I must emanate something. I don't know what it is when I do a reading. I've been told that so many times that I've kind of embraced that old uh, soothsayer energy, which I, I really want to comfort people though. I do want them to feel that they can leave the the reading feeling more calm so they can make better decisions in their life. Yeah, and I, I wanted to say too, when it comes to the charging part, um, there are certain readings we don't even charge for, you know, and, and I don't want to be governed by money in the sense that I won't do a reading for someone if they can't afford it. You know, if I feel the, the, the desire to help them, then why should money stand in the way? So I don't think you want to be influenced by it, whether the person is rich or poor, it shouldn't change the reading. Um, but there was a, a story, there's a, a woman that came and, and she wanted to get a reading and she said, you know, financially, I'm in a very tough place at the moment, but I want this to be my act of faith. And so I'm going to get the reading and I'm going to trust that, that I'll be provided for and this is going to be my act of faith. And, and so I said, okay, great, sit down. And I, I gave her the reading. And, and then after it, she was happy and she got up to pay. I said, that's all right. You know, and she, I said, you don't know anything. Uh, and she said, but I, I wanted this to be my act of faith. And I said, but it was. You were prepared to pay. I said, no, I'm not going to take it. <laughs> you know. And, and sometimes she started to cry. Sometimes I think that just doing that one really nice thing for a person um, can change their whole life. And, and we've had many cases where I think we've had that opportunity. And, and that's been great. So I'm going to let you take it away, Krista, because we're wrapping up. And uh, you can share your final thoughts. And uh, it's been a great show. So I've, I've really had fun. Thanks, Michael. It has been really fun. I realize we have so much more we can talk about, such as our journey. This is a show in and of itself. Our journey to become the Bodhi Tree Bookstore readers was truly magical and unusual. And so that we're going to do another show on that because I still remember that time and all the ways the universe, the universe does seem to open the doors for you when you are on a path that is true to your soul. It doesn't mean you won't have obstacles, but it will find a way around the obstacles. And that is why I continued to be a card reader. The first time I started, I was using the medicine cards and our reading consisted of a table in the mall. This is our very first time we were reading publicly and Michael would sit on the right-hand side and do a tarot card reading. I didn't know the tarot at the time. I would do the medicine cards and that would be one reading. So I would sit down and first do the medicine cards and they'd move over to Michael and he would do the tarot. It was really kind of sweet when I think about it. I don't know how we came up with that. And that was the beginning of our journey. And at the time I was so interested in so many things, even with divination, I told myself, I'll try this for five years and I'll see how it goes. And it just kept going. So that's, you know, that was my way of exploring it. So remember that, you know, when you're on your path in life, you're going to have obstacles, but the universe will help you. It's helped us many, many times. Um, so for, with that, I'm going to conclude our thoughts today on all things reading. We look forward to our next show, which will be with 
Reverend Jim McGrath, who we love, and it's going to be a really feisty show about St. Patrick's. So I hope you have a great week, and please, everybody, stay calm as much as possible with all the things in the news right now. We're going to be fine no matter what. We'll make it through it. Uh, this is just a new experience. Until next week, uh, have a great week, and I look forward to continuing to explore the esoteric and the obscure together. Take care.